You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for checking out the Redux Church Podcast, a place for genuine conversation covering scripture and the principles we glean from it. Now, here's your host. All right, welcome everybody. We are back in our conversation about the book of Acts. We're so glad that uh, hopefully you saw us last week, heard us last week, and uh, you're back with us. Uh, also back with us from our last episode is Jeremy Griffin. Jeremy, how are you this morning? <laughs> I'm fine. Apparently, uh, apparently, I'm one great, you know, you're focusing a little bit more now. Because that first episode, you said, I've got one great guy with me, and you talked about Tom. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> well, we got to keep my brother humble. We got to keep my brother well, humble. We are, we are also delighted to have with us Casey. Casey, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty, pretty good. good. Are you yep. more pretty or more good? I'm definitely more pretty. <laughs> uh, I'd say you're more good, but <laughs> there uh, it is. Anyway, um, Case Casey <laughs> is is uh, part of our crew with uh, Redux, and uh, uh, Casey, tell us what uh, part of your role is with us. Well, as right now, like uh, we'll be doing small groups. Um, helping people get uh, connected in small groups and helping give ministry to people that either don't know or just desire ministry and supporting them and lining them out and letting them do what the Lord has called them to do. Awesome. Good stuff. Awesome. All right. We are in chapter three today. And uh, what's cool is is we're now in the Acts of the book of Acts. How would you say that? Uh, yeah, I like and that. And so... Uh, Let's read the cha- uh, chapter three, verse one through ten. Uh, point of order. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is not a stuff. I'm being called on the carpet today. <laughs> <laughs> if if you have not uh, had a time of worship yet today, we want to <laughs> encourage you to uh, go to the Redux Church website. There's some great worship music of Jeremy and the house band for worship there. Uh, There's way I, better stuff, though, on Spotify and YouTube from from artists that originally recorded this stuff. Oh, man. There, there, there's stuff all over. Just find your playlist, what, uh, what you prefer to worship with. Uh, I like a bunch of the stuff on the Redux.Church website. Thanks, buddy. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I like just the chill music sometimes, you know, man, yeah. where there's no words, it's just instrumental. That's true. And you're just worshiping a little more. I, I wouldn't say it's more purely, but it's like uh, it's, you're not being spoon-fed as much. Yeah, less know? induced, mm. more spontaneity. Yeah. So we're going to assume that uh, at this point that you've already been there, done that. And uh, now we will jump in chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Uh, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And the man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Nice. All right, guys. What's the first thing strikes out to you, Jeremy? Uh, the gate beautiful. Um, I listened to this this morning in uh, a different translation, and uh, it's you know here it says uh, temple that is called the beautiful gate, um, uh, and that's what it said in the other translation too. But a beautiful gate. I always heard it called the gate called beautiful, and and so in your mind you're thinking. Boom, this is like a name, but it's almost like, again, what stuck out to me is this, that this guy was set up at a place like the beautiful gate kind of insinuates to me. This is where the wealthy people go to go <laughs> do their thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's other places you can go, but this one, this is the, the pretty place, you know, mm, kind of so like Casey. Like Escalative gates and not the Hyundai, <laughs> yeah. huh? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so he's set up there and it's so funny because when I just relate to, um, to Peter and, and John, is that who it was? Peter and, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I relate to them kind of walking into that space because, you know, sometimes I've been to places where the wealthy congregate and I'm not the wealthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so Peter and John, because especially on this, it, they, they say to him, look at us. <laughs> it's almost like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. Look at us, you know? Um, and then, and then they say, hey, we don't have gold and silver. What we do have, we'll give to you. And then, you know, but but I think that just the presupposition, this guy, it, it reminds me of somebody who has been resigned to a place in life um, and, and they're stuck there. This guy gets set there every time he goes there because it's the spot where the, the wealthier people go. And again, a lot of this is conjecture, of course, but um, but what he's done is said, this is my life. And, and it's not a good one. And how many times do we as individuals accept the reality mm. around us and say, this is life and yeah. recognizing that, that, you know, if we go to John 10, 10 Christ or not 10, 10, um, well, that no, is right there, right? He says, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I have come that you would have a life and have it more abundantly. That's mm. the here and now. And so this guy literally could have more abundant life. And instead he's settled to just beg here at this gate. And, and so those are, you know, that's what sticks out to me. I, I see I see a guy that's that's wise to use the system. Yeah. Because alms is the welfare of, of Jewish culture, right? And so you're at the gate beautiful. If that's if that in fact is where the higher ups of, of yeah. their culture went, I don't know. We don't know. But uh, you know, you're you're using the system uh, to sustain you. Um, you know, a, a guy in our society with a cardboard sign said, uh, hungry, need food, you know, I'm a vet, whatever, uh, doesn't go to the ghetto and stand on the corner. Right. Uh, he finds, he finds the interstate corner where everybody going to and from, uh, higher paying jobs is going to be. So, right. uh, pretty sharp fella. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely good at his game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go to the nice side, you know, if that's what it is, uh, what stuck out to me, like the look at, look at us, you know, uh, uh, when you're trying to get like a child's attention that has like ADD and all that stuff, you give me your eyes, give me your eyes, you know. And with a house full of kids, that's what. Yeah, you absolutely. Would stick Four out to kids you in my it? house and, and my wife too. I, I kind of <laughs> 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 give me your eyes. <laughs> Never mind. 
but anyways, I like that he direct. He said, "Look at us," you know. And I'm sure the guy was just like, "Just give me your money and go. Like, give me what you have to offer." But the way that he directed his attention at him, so that he could share, like the spirit that's on him, can pass through. That's kind of weird to say that, but no, like mean. just having your the full undivided attention. I'm about to give you some life here. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, 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 how many people of the modern church you think have a problem with Peter and John being so bold as to say, "Look at me"? Yeah, mm. man. You know, this <laughs> is the thing. I was thinking about this just the other day in a in a much broader stroke, but like. Why is it that we, when we read scripture, um, I mean, things like, like does Red Sea parting. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of Christians, maybe even people listening to this episode right now who maybe not the Red Sea, but, but maybe, maybe Jesus being in the desert for 40 days and not eating like fasting that they think, well, I mean, he probably had like, you know, something, <laughs> you know, who kind of, <laughs> who, who sees scripture as, um, as open-ended, like, cause it, it really comes down to this. Like if, if the Bible says something that we can demonstrably see isn't true or, or isn't something we can, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a good example right now, but anyway, let, let's just say, um, like when, uh, there was the battle being fought in the old Testament and, um, the Lord stopped the sun from going down so they could win the battle. So I think there are many people that are like, Oh, I mean, you know, it just, they just lost track of time. Like they can explain that away because science wins out. And I don't think they even realize that they have elevated science and what, what they've been educated in over what scripture says. And, and the problem with that is, is that the minute that we do that, we bring into question all things that we have believed. And yeah. to circle back to your point or your question is that I think in the world today, if, if we were to say not just the look at me part, but even the rise up and walk, we don't see this. You know, we talk about this all the time and why I love that we're going through acts is this acts is where we are today. Yeah. Like what's happening here should be the norm of our society today. And, and how many times would we see that? And there are people that, that say, here, here's one struggle that I've had. There are lots of people I know that claim that these things happen. You know how many videos I've seen of those things happening? Mm. Like zero. Now, I'm not saying they're not out there. And quite frankly, anybody listening to this right now who can send them to me, that would be awesome. Because my problem is in a world where we have cameras everywhere, constantly rolling, why is it that I don't see a lame man get up and walk? Why is it that that these things are being demonstrated all the time, yet there's no evidence of that? It's okay that there's not, because I simply believe Scripture is that this is truth, right? This yeah. is what actually happened. But I think that there are charlatans out there, which just adds to the right. skin, uh, skepticism and cynicism of, of the fold. You know, that, that look at me is, is so powerful, uh, and, and I... I'm looking at my own life and saying, can I, can I walk in this myself? And I've been in ministry yeah. for a long, long time. But you've heard me tell the story, and I won't, I won't tell the whole story, but at a Kenneth Hagin camp meeting in Tulsa, uh, very elderly woman in a wheelchair, everybody got prayed for, uh, most everybody had left. Her and her family are still there. Uh, Kenneth Hagin happens to notice her. 
goes over to her, prays for her. Um, after after a lengthy time of ministry, she gets up out of her chair. She walks. Uh, she walks with help. Uh, eventually, she walks on her own. Uh, the place erupts. And when it's done, she goes back to her wheelchair yes. and sits down, and she is wheeled out on her wheelchair. She does not walk out. So she had a miracle, and she gave her miracle up. And when I see this passage of Scripture, I overlay it over this story, and I'm going, they said, look at me. It's get your eyes off of yourself. Right. Get yourself, your eyes onto me, onto, onto the hope on the belief, the faith that's in me so that you cannot look at yourself. That's what it takes to receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you are zeroed in on your present and your past, you cannot walk into your future. Yeah. This is this is such a powerful statement. And and I'm reminded of, of uh, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends the disciples out in every city he would come. Um, you know, and he tells them when they enter the house, heal the sick that are therein. So all Peter and John are doing is what they were trained mm-hmm. to do. What do you think about that? Trained to do, Casey. <laughs> are, are we really trained today to do anything? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, not not in most standard Western churches. And I mean, I grew up in a completely different background than a lot of people in church and church that I grew up in, like we were all about that. Like, let's pray for, you know, we had 40 days of services when I was a kid and I remember going and, uh, you know, there's the river movement, you know, the Brownsville revival or, you know, anyways, but I remember sleeping in the hallway of the back church because my parents and me and all my friends, our parents were up there, you know, getting slain in the spirit and laughter was happening and all this stuff. So it's a normalcy to me. And it's really interesting because we even it being a normalcy, we didn't get trained. Like we didn't get trained in healing. We just, you have to believe. You just have to believe. That was the, like God says, do this, so do it. Like that was the training, you know? And then as I go into adult, like there's so much doubt that comes in. Like, well, I, I'm not worthy to do any of this, you know? And, you know, as much passage and as much scripture as you can read and try to self-train and believe that you, my mom has MS, multiple sclerosis. I spent my childhood hoping that she would be healed. Mm. And it hasn't happened. She's in a nursing home, been there for 12 years. Now, where's the justice in that? You know, that's where my mind goes. Anytime I go to try to pray for somebody for healing, Mm. there's disbelief there because I don't understand. And I think that's the scary thing is we don't understand why and how. See, this is something I I was just talking with a a dude this last week about about something similar. And I gave the story about Peter uh, walking on the water, which, you know, (laughs) comes into mm-hmm. very big play here in what Peter just did, by the way. <laughs> mm. And so, you know, when we look at that story, Peter, you know, quickly Peter walks out on the water. He, when he looks at his circumstances, he starts to sink. That's the quick version. He's got his eyes on Jesus, right? And 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 Jesus asks him, why did you begin to doubt, mm-hmm. right? And, the, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> what I told him, I, I get kind of put it in different terms. If, if you had to walk across a bridge... Uh, let's say you're walking and you're getting ready to walk across a suspension bridge. And as you're coming upon the suspension bridge, you see that it has holes all the way through it. I, I said, you have a couple choices when you do that. You can walk up to that bridge under your own power and try to cross through those different holes. But what you don't see are the boards that are about to give way. And so there's a good chance that you're going to walk across this suspension bridge. <laughs> a board is going to give way and you're kaput. 
to use a German term. So that's one option. Another option, and this is this is what I call kind of the Peter option, is that you go, hey, I trust God to keep my keep me safe. And so you you're walking, you see it coming up, but but you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord and and you start walking through and and you're still aware of your surroundings. You're looking around and you're dodging these holes, but you're trusting God. You're believing God. Well, that's a very hard way to live because that whole time, and this really probably is where most of us land, is that we are constantly doubting what we know to be true because our circumstances are right before us. But there is a third way to go through that, and it requires complete and total reckless abandon and trust in God. And that is, as you start approaching this particular thing, close your eyes and ask God to lead you. When you close your eyes and ask God to lead you, that's it. You don't get to see your circumstances. You're just walking through. God's giving you direction, telling you to step left, telling you to step right. And and as you get through that, there's no, at a certain point, um, and in this case, we'll say when you cross a suspension bridge and you look back and you see all of the potential pitfalls that God brought you through, where's your faith at at this point? Because even if you were to keep your eyes on the Lord, keep your eyes open, but trust God to get you through, and he got you through, you would still have doubt because you would think that some of this was done under your own power because you still were aware of the circumstance. But it's only when you are made aware of the circumstance by looking back and going, wow, okay, he got me through. Now, all of a sudden, it's it's a pillar of faith, as, as some people would call it. And I would say, you know, what's even better is when you just keep your eyes closed or, and, and that's my example in this, but really what it means is keep your eyes on the Lord, keep your focus on him. You don't see the good, the bad or the ugly. You're just doing his work. And so when you, you know, talk about Peter saying, look at me, I'm reminded of Jesus telling Peter to look at him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Peter's, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know that he's really reliving that moment, but at that point he's like, look at me, stop to your point, Mm -hmm. Wayne, stop looking at your circumstances, get up and walk. I think I I like how you pulled that around like that, because like when I hear that scripture and I've read that scripture, I've never once thought, Oh, why is he asking him to look at Peter? My assumption is the Holy spirit speaking through. Hmm. And like the Holy Spirit saying, look, at, look me. at me, you know, sure. like Christ in him is saying, look at me. So that's where my head goes in that. But even though that brings me doubt in myself, because I'm like, it's not me doing it, it's the Holy Spirit, which is the way that we're supposed to believe that it's the Holy Spirit. It's Christ within us that's doing these things. But then that gives me a license to forget that I have to do anything. That's right. You know, and I have to be faithful to the Lord and I have to trust in the Lord and I have to believe in him. Now, that doesn't mean live in self-condemnation or anything like that, but, man, that's a hard line to, to run across. And this conversation has been coming up all this week, mostly Wayne's fault for inviting me to this. <laughs> but um, I'll take that blame. <laughs> me and my cousin, uh, Elijah, has come up several times. And the initial reason I started reading about it, because I was reading about Ahab and Jezebel, you know, and, uh, you know, us as leaders forget that if we don't lead we're going to get somebody that's a Jezebel, you know, we're going to have that Ahab thing coming up, you know, don't want to get into all that. But I started reading on <laughs> Elijah and I was like, man, I remember the story of Elijah and he was, he's amazing. Right. But he's a scared little coward, but he's amazing. I don't understand how you can call down fire from heaven and then run like a scared little cat. You know, it was a one-time event. <laughs> Twice. Uh, no, <laughs> But dude, that's exactly <laughs> like, the point, right? 
I mean, that's exactly the point. It, it's an amazing thing to me to see people who you as an observer can look at and go, oh my gosh, like everything has just lined up and how mm-hmm. amazing God's been. And then you're talking to them and they're like, oh, I just don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to get killed. And you're like, what, bro? <laughs> Like it would be the you know to me it's almost the equivalent of being halfway through the Red Sea looking at the ocean parted on either side of me, going man I sure hope this thing doesn't crash right. down. <laughs> like, are we really walking through this? Like is this really what's happening right now? But you know the the book of James says that a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Yeah, and and what you guys are describing is is a flip flop of mind, and and I'm I'm thinking of of. Paul writing in Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. So going back to you, you're, you're thinking that that's Peter recognizing the Holy Spirit in him is saying, come. And really, what Jeremy said and what you said are the same. We just marry them together. Uh, when, when Peter is speaking, that is the Holy Spirit speaking. We just came out of the upper room. Yeah. Day before, apparently. Uh, or at least in proximity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're right in that same same smell of history, yeah. and and so Peter is speaking with an understanding. And so in verse uh, what is it six, he says, uh, after he says silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Mm. So he's saying in the identity of Him. Mm-hmm. Names have meanings in Jewish culture. Name Jesus means the Lord of our salvation, basically. Uh, he's saying in in the identity of salvation, rise up and walk. In the identity of deliverance, rise up and walk. And I, I'm thinking, as, as you were pointing out earlier, I don't know how often, I've been in ministry all my life, to be totally transparent, I don't know how often I have actually lived in that place that my identity was, I am as him. Mm-hmm. So it's no wonder that we have this flip-flop back and forth. We have these apparent one-time events here and there, but we don't walk in them consistently. I don't think I walk I walk in that place where I carry that day-by-day constantly. And maybe that's maybe that's our challenge. Maybe maybe that's the inspiration we can we can right. draw out of this, is is to be less double minded, more single minded, more walking in that identity that him and I are one, not because I am anything, but I have left me behind to have my identity be with him. Yeah, I think that I would kind of agree and disagree. Cause like double-mindedly, like, we, like yeah, I do. <laughs> like Elijah. I okay, mean, he, pick pick one, buddy. <laughs> no, I mean like Elijah was, you know, like he called down the fire, and mm-hmm. then he he has faith in that, and he, you know he believes in the power of God, and he calls it down. And then he goes on the mountain, Mount Carmel, and he sees a cloud in the distance, so he has faith in the moment to call down some crazy awesome stuff that's about to happen. And then he has faith in the small moment where he sees a little cloud, but God said there's going to be rain, but he believes that little bitty thing is going to turn into what God said it was going to be because he believes God and he believes in God's truth. And then he runs for his life because he's afraid a woman's going to kill him. 
And how do you have faith that the Lord's going to bring a flood of rain, but you don't have faith that the Lord's going to protect you from getting killed? All in the same moment, yeah. you know. And and I think we rely too much on our own what we see instead of being obedient when the Lord tells us to do something. Because we can't just go around healing people for no reason, like because that turns into us. But if the Lord says you need to go around and start healing people, you better go around and start healing people. And and it's the same like if Jeremy's in illness and he's sick, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you're sick. I shouldn't feel convicted to pray for him for healing right there. Maybe, <laughs> like I don't know. These are all these are all thoughts <laughs> coming out right here. But if the Lord says pray for Jeremy, he needs to be healed. I better do it. Well, it's where your confidence is. If the Lord tells you to do it, your confidence is much mm-hmm. greater. I.e., your faith, your, your yeah. belief in what He's going to do. If because here's you know what's the great uh, example I've always heard if uh, from skeptics is man I don't understand if God if God can use X Y and Z for healing why aren't you in every hospital just healing right. people right I mean uh, it's the it's the critique of it all well mm-hmm. the the direction uh, the moment and and you know we can get into a whole little world here about God's purpose and plan and everything else because it really kind of then implies that God doesn't want everyone healed, right? <laughs> Which I think it's a is fundamentally way different. I think God wants there to be a benefit in it beyond healing. In mm-hmm. other words, the divine needs to be in action um, so that God is using that to change someone's life, mm-hmm. right? But in any case, um, just the, the, the whole fundamental concept here just goes back to me of the ways we follow the Lord. Like I don't set out with ambition to go do something that the Lord wants me to do. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't go out and get in the car and say, all right, God, what do you want me to do today? Right. It's like, no, I'm, I'm doing in a, in a constant state of what God's calling me to do. Right. So he's given me vision for things. And so like, for example, we've got Redux IRL coming up uh, as of this recording, it's already happened, but <laughs> uh, we've got that coming up. And so I'm going about that day, my day and preparing for those things. But along the way, God brings opportunity in front of me. And it's in that opportunity that I'm seeking to do what he asked me to do and be used by him. But um, probably for another moment, because I bet we're going to run out of time. Um, but we ha- there's a whole concept of how God uses us. We tend to think in terms of of right now, what are you doing with me? Right, you know, What have we done for me lately, so to speak? God, what do you want me to do today? The reality is he he may be building a person to a pinnacle, to a moment, and that moment may not be for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do for 35 years? Well, when, a, you know, God living outside of time, 35 years is, is mm-hmm. here yeah. and now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you might be building a wall for the generations that come after you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, I go back, I go back to the Luke passage, though, into every city where he would come, enter in a house, speak peace. Yes. Heal the sick. Heal the sick was the last piece of the of a process. Mm. And I think that's sort of what you're saying. We don't know what that length of time is. Uh, we may not we may not heal everybody we come in contact with. We may not even affect any everybody that we come in. But there there is a divine order that that lays out ahead, and and we admit. The way I see Luke 10 is we ini- God has a plan. We initiated something, and then he shows up on the scene. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And, and so God had a plan for this man to be delivered. Peter and John went to the temple. They initiated. The man calls out to him. 
they they entered into that opportunity. God showed up in that opportunity that they entered into. Yeah. And and we have to enter into the opportunities that he puts in front of us. I would argue mm-hmm. that's the works in faith without works is dead. Yes. You know, you can have faith that everyone can be saved, everyone can be healed, but without the works, the action, mm-hmm. uh, nothing happens. That's our partnership yeah. with God. He He created us in partnership with him. It, you know, and I've, I've talked about this before. I don't know what context, but... Um, he is our father. And just like any parent, you know, my, my kids want to come out like as a dad, I'm out there in the shop working on something. My kids want to come out and help. Um, after I yell at them three or four times, they go back in, but that's another conversation, (laughs) but but they want to come out and help. Um, and, and so do I need their help? No. It does it take me longer with them helping me. Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Because I'm trying to raise these kids up not to be kids, but to be adults. God created us as peers. He made us in his image. Yeah. And so it is, go. he is raising us, his children, to be on the level. We're never going to be God, but I'm saying to be like him. So he has to give us responsibility. He has to let us partner with him so we learn, just like yeah. what happened with Peter. Peter learned through his experience with Jesus, and he matured, and he grew up, and was able to execute this with with his buddy, John. There you go. Casey, any last thoughts before we close out today? Uh, Just, you know, being obedient to the Holy Spirit, just practice being obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's how you get further, you know, and just listen to the call of the Lord. I mean, we don't know. We don't have all the answers, and we don't have, you know, uh, every situation in front of us. But if we listen to the call of the Holy Spirit, he's going to show us what to do. All right. Jeremy, you want to pray and close us out? Yeah. Father, we thank you so much for today and who you are, who you've made us to be. We thank you for the gift of faith that you've put in all of us, that that we have this opportunity to speak life to people, to grow and to mature and to affect the kingdom. I thank you so much for that partnership. Um, you are an amazing God. And I ask that everything that was said today, that, that the people that are listening to this right now, that what you wanted them to hear, they heard what you didn't want them to hear, <laughs> that they... They don't hear that. We thank you for all that you're doing. Give you all the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We thank you for being with us today. Have a blessed week. We will see you next Friday.